Ho, 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 and welcome to a very festive episode of the SBK Betting Podcast. My name is Adam Bayliss. I'm still filling in for the, the sick Jess Stafford, who's yet to get, get back to, to rude health, but we wish her all the best over the, the festive period. However, I am joined by Mr. Tom Collins and Mr. Ross Miller, who are in rude, festive spirit, as you can see from Tom Collins's jumper there, bar humbug. <laughs> Not the only Grinch this side of Frankie Dottori in the in the jungle. How are you both? Yeah, I'm good, mate. I'm really good. I actually had to borrow this off my uh, father-in-law. Well, not actually my father-in-law. I'm not married. But um, yeah, this was the only option I had. I don't have a festive jumper. And the rules were wear something festive. This was a last resort. It doesn't really uh, echo my mood. I do quite like Christmas. But um, when we're talking about horse racing and, and jumps racing, especially bar humbug is my approach. Well, someone who is much cheerier is Mr. Ross Miller. Yeah, I, I seem to recall TC reading out the old, I don't own a festive jumper last year. You know, and in, in fairness to him, they are very difficult to source. You know, they're, they're only in a, in a very limited selection of stores. It's not like you can buy them anywhere you look. Um, so uh, tw- Christmas 2024, I'm really looking forward to seeing what uh, TC's father-in-law lends him next year. <laughs> Odds on it, still the bar humbug jumper, I suspect, but... We'll see. We'll see how that shakes out when we when we get there. Right for today's episode, um, we're recording on Thursday the twenty first, so a bit of a, a bit of a, a way out there. Thanks very much, uh, BHA, for for doing decks on the twenty twenty third of December, twenty fourth December. I mean, just pretty ridiculous. Ross, have you got a line for us on that? No, <laughs> it's, it's 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 the usual, isn't it? Unfortunately, yeah. you know, Everyone. traders would pretty at this time of the year. Players would pretty much know where they want to go. So it, it, there is no excuse for it, I don't think. No, absolutely agree. TC, are you, I assume you have the same opinion. Yeah, well, who wants to be looking at uh, race cards on Christmas Eve? Absolutely no one. So uh, it would be good if we could get them a day or two in advance when it comes to Boxing Day and even maybe the 27th. But that's probably a little bit pushing it with the BHA. Yeah, absolutely. Well, as Ross has said, you know, we've... I think traders have got a pretty good idea of where they're sending their horse at this point. So we've got a pretty good good idea of, of the fields. So in today's episode, we're going to be looking at the, the King George, of course, the quarter star. The guys will have their naps and next best, and we will have a look at other races from over the from over the, the festive period. Let's get stuck in then first off to the to the headline act, the King George. Uh Ross, do you want to take us through your thoughts on the race and then give us your your selections, please, sir? Yeah, so I mean, I think that the, the important thing to look at first is the ground. Currently good to soft at Kempton, which dra- drains pretty nicely. Um, no real rain forecast. There's a couple of showers. I think the ground's going to ride pretty pretty quick. Jerry Colomi isn't going to run. I mean, he's out to seven to one. The market tells you that. Uh, I would have been against him if he'd have turned up here on anything other than heavy anyway. But I think it's very, very long odds that he turns up. The quicker ground isn't going to help Royal Pagai. I think he likes Kempton, but he does need a little bit of softer ground over a track like this. And then you're into the to the to the real talented types. Alaho, seven to four. He is arguably the, the the best horse in this race. But he missed last season with an internal bleed injury, which is a bleed of the spleen. Now the spleen is red blood cells. Red blood cells are oxygen. We don't yet know if that's going to have any long-term effect because they're not going to have got to the bottom of him in his training and they certainly get to the bottom of him at Cork where he basically had a canter round and everyone left him alone he could well take this race apart but seven to four for me on a horse that you just don't know what's going to happen when he goes into the red which I think he's going to have to do I think this is arguably tougher than the, the Ryanair that he's contested 
just just can't touch him but fully respect him. Brave man's game and just hate his prep. His prep is Weatherby straight into Kempton a fresh horse. And for some reason, um, and I have my views on it, he went to Haydock. He's finished tired at Weatherby and Haydock. You know, at Weatherby, he went through the race beautifully. As soon as Gentleman's Game served it up to him, he just emptied. And you can put a line from that and say, OK, first run, he'll come forward. But then at Haydock, as soon as Royal Pagai served it to him, he, he emptied very, very quickly. Quicker than uh, Tom's wine glass at Christmas dinner. Um, it's, it just can't be, for me, at all off that prep. Because you're, he, he's, Paul Nichols is going to have to have rejuvenated and bringing him backwards. And you want to bring in a horse up and to its peak. It just doesn't suit for me. The real whacker I respect, and I think you've got to consider that his poor run at Cheltenham, he returned lame. Um, but I think Alaho and, to a less degree, Frodon might just upset his rhythm. They're, they're probably better horses than him in terms of jumping at speed. Front running and jumping is his thing, and I'm just not sure he's going to be able to serve it up to these. Which then leaves me with two, and the two I like. Shishkin, I am, you know, big fan of Shishkin. He blotted his copybook in no uncertain terms last time at Ascot when he decided he didn't fancy it. It sounds like they've done a lot of work trying to get to the bottom of that. Um, I've heard that they went to Kempton and had a a tape start with with stable mates um, from the King George start, and that all went well. I would have a concern if they went back to Ascot because horses do have an uncanny habit of remembering things. Um, but Kempton, somewhere different. He's unbeaten right-handed. He's going to love the good ground. He stays well. He stayed really well at Aintree. There's going to be plenty of pace on here. We often think of, you know, horses that don't quite stay three miles being ideal types for the King George. But if you go back through it, they have to stay. You know, Vautour was a brilliant horse, but he got outstayed by Q card. You're going to have to stay. I think Shishkin's going to pick them up up the home straight off a strong pace. But just at a bigger price, and I do think he's too big, Hewick is another horse that loves quick round. He was still in there pitching, coming down two out in the Gold Cup. Um, Gavin Sheehan jumps on. You're not going to find a jockey in, in better form and rhyme and more confidence. Um, 20 to 1, I thought he was a big price. Perhaps not to win, but to run into a place. So for me, it's Shishkin and Hewick at a price. Yeah, well, I mean, listen, we know from when uh, Tornado Flyer won this in, in 2021 that you know, don't, don't let the prices put you off. I mean, I think that went in at, at 30 to 1 or, or something crazy. So, you know, Hewitt, Hewitt must hold a chance on on form. Um, before I go to Tom, can I just get a, a line for you, Ross, on, on Royal Pagai? Why can't Royal Pagai win this race after, you know, winning the Betfair Chase at Haydock so, so well? I, I just worry whether he's quite got the pace to, 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 to stay with them in the in the sort of second third of the race when it's quickening down that back at uh, Kempton, um, if the ground comes good, good to soft. If they get some sort of one of those showers hits and makes it soft, then it, it does bring him into it. And I, I think it would be foolish to underestimate his effort from Haydock. Um, I thought he looked like a very good horse that day and his jumping was much, much slicker. But it's going to need to be, and I just question this track for him. Yeah, I'm perhaps talking through my pocket a bit, but, you know, I... I thought he just looked at a vastly improved individual at Haydock. So, you know, let's let, let's see how it gets on at, at, at Kempton because I, I fully take your point with regards to the ground. TC, talk us through your your sort of verdicts on the on the race. Well, regular viewers of the podcast, um, hopefully quite a few of our regular viewers, will know that Ross and I don't agree very often. Aside from around a six week period during the flat season this year, where I don't know what happened, but we seem to be picking the same horses in every race. However. 
Ross has literally summed up this race exactly how I would. I agree with everything he said. Um, Alahaiwa, I don't like him in the race, too short. He also jumps out to the left, which is a bit of a concern for me. Uh, the real whacker could be taken on up front. Royal Pagai won't like the ground. Uh, Brave Man's Game, I don't like the prep. Like everything Ross said, I completely agree with. So he stole on my notes. However, I do like Shishkin. I've got a few things to add on him. Um, look, he might not, might not be the most logical winner based on what we've seen so far this season. But that's why he's 11 to 2. Now, this horse is 13 from 18 in his career. People are forgetting that he has dominated the jump sphere for a number of years. Shishkin is the horse we've all jumped upon and been like, he's going to carry uh, jumps racing to the next level. Now, obviously, Constitution Hill has come around and people have kind of forgot a little bit about Shishkin, especially when he refused to race on his reappearance. But you can't put this horse down as a rogue now because he's done it on one occasion. That could just be a blip. We don't know. Uh, if he does it again in the King George, then fair enough. Then you can start to take him on because his head might not be in the game and has wayward tendencies, etc. But at this stage, we cannot pigeonhole Shishkin uh, as having an attitude, uh, a negative attitude towards the game. It was just a one-off from what we've seen. Um, the track is fine. He won the Desert Orchid. Uh, three miles in uh, entry last year proved no problem. So I don't mind the step up and trip. The, the setup should be perfect for him if he jumps as we know he can. Surely Shishkin is just the, the value in the race. I know people want to oppose him, but as a punter, you've got to be looking for where the value is. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, listen, if you, if you can strike a line through to whatever happened at, at Ascot, I mean, he's, he's bang there, isn't he? Off of, what is he now? 173. One, so, you know, he's, he's, he's certainly, uh, certainly up there with Alaho. Um, can I get a line, Tom, on, on the real whacker? Yeah, he's got a look. Last year, he was a very good horse. Uh, he racked up a sequence of victories. He wasn't himself on the reappearance, um, as Ross has already touched on. So there is a chance he could also bounce back. And as I've just said about Shishkin, you can't pigeonhole a horse just based on one run, even if it was uh, with excuses or without excuses. He could come back and win the race. I know you like him here, Adam, but I'm just worried that he's not going to be able to dominate on the front. Alaho is an out and out front runner with a very high cruising speed. And albeit the real Wacker has similar kind of uh, characteristics, if they take each other on, I don't know if he's the most uh, reliable in a finish. Thanks, DC. So, so obviously this is a, a phenomenal renewal of the race, possibly the best we've, we've had in, in, in quite, quite some time. Ross, a memorable one for you, one you're looking forward to? Yeah, I think, I think it is as, as good as we've seen for a long time. I think it's got lots of elements to it. It'll also put an awful lot of light on, on what happens going forward. You know, Alaho, is he going to be unopposed in the Ryanair as he has been in previous years? Or is he perhaps a, a lesser light now because of that internal injury? So, yes, it's, it's, you know, it's the Christmas highlight for me and uh, none more so than this year. So all of that at 2.30, at 2 then obviously in the 155, we've got the Constitution Hill procession. But in the 120, the three-mile quarter star novices chase, kind of grade one here. Tom, do you want to kick us off with your, with your selection for the race? Sure, yeah, it's another good race as well, isn't it? The Corto Star, wide open. Well, I say wide open, maybe not wide open, but there are three or four that have winning chances in here. There is no odds-on shot, uh, which is what we want to see in races like this on Boxing Day. Um, I want to take on Hermes Allen at the prices. He jumped well on the hole at Newbury, um, but he can get low over his fences. He was low over his hurdles as well. Um, it was obviously more beneficial to be low over the hurdles. And his fences, I reckon he could miss a couple. And we actually saw that he missed four out at Newbury quite badly, uh, lost three or four lengths in the process. And it just so happened that he wasn't up against the best uh, rivals that day and was able to claw back uh, into contention and then boot clear after the last. Um, if he does that here again, if he misses a fence or two, 
I think he could be caught out. These are good horses he's up against. He's also stepping up to three miles. And although I don't think stamina is an issue for him, we don't know whether he is as good over three miles as he is two mile four, two mile five um, at this stage. And crucially, and something I think people might have missed, he's never gone right-handed before, uh, which is interesting regarding Hermes Allen. That's not to say he can't go right-handed, but it's, again, another unproven factor with him. And he's quite a short price. So I want to take him on. Giovinco is a good horse, but a, not a great horse on what we've seen so far. Again, he could easily take that step up and be that great horse uh, that he has promised to be, but he's yet to do it. And again, he's quite a short price. So I want to take him on as well. Um, I just think that Ile Francais comes in with the best form. Did you notice my French accent there? Uh, it comes in with a favourite's credentials in this race. Yet in some places he's third in the market. I know in some others he is the favourite two to one. Um, but he was grade one placed at three. He won grade one at four. His last two victories have been breathtaking. He's got extremely high cruising speed, handles the ground. Um, there is just, there isn't any negatives with him, aside from the fact we haven't seen him on British soil. But is that really a negative? I don't think it is. Um, for me, Ilay Francais is the horse to beat. And if he goes off five to two, nine to four, and isn't favourite, I'll be having quite a good bet on him. Absolutely love to hear that. I mean, yeah, Hermes Alain, 11 to 4 now. Ile Francais, effectively 11 to 4 as well. That's That's been been cut in a fair bit. Um, Ross, I gather you're, you're quite keen on a, on a Willie Mullins run here. Yeah, I mean, just, just to pick up on what TC said, we're agreeing a lot today. Um, I think Hermes Allen's jumping last time was, well, he warmed up. It was very good when it needs to be in the in the closing part of the race, but he was a little bit fiddly early on and he's not going to get away with that here. There's plenty of pace on. It's a quick track where you do have to find your rhythm early. And if you don't, you can get on the back foot. That would be the concern for me. I do disagree with TC though, in that I think he's going to improve a lot for stepping up to three miles. He was very powerful at the end of that trip at uh, Newbury last time. I think he'll be Paul Nichols' three miler come the, come the spring personally. But he's short enough for those issues. Il est français et un grand cheval. Um, but he's got to prove he does it on, on different quicker ground and in a different tempo of race. In France, they tend to go quite slow and they pick the pace up at the end, whereas here they're probably going to go quick enough early on. So he's going to have to find a rhythm, but he's a very talented horse. TC's right about that. Giovinco, I, I think he's a really smart horse in the making, but it, he's a, a work in progress as it is jockey. And we, we spoke on the previous podcast, I thought felt a bit sorry for Connor Brace losing the ride for a mistake. And I think Lucinda Russell is to be applauded that she keeps faith with Stephen Mulqueen here, as she has done with Derek Fox, actually, earlier on in his career. The only way they're going to get better is by being exposed to this type of race. I did think at Sandown last time, the difference in the result with Stay Away Faye was the jockey. I thought Harry Cobden was excellent. Stephen Mulqueen was perhaps a little bit naive and inexperienced at times. And that might just be the case here, but I think Giovinco is a really, really talented horse in the making. Certainly, I will be siding with him later on in the season. For this test, not so much. And the horse I'm with is, is absolutely, you're absolutely right, the Willie Mullins trained classical dream. He's a really smart horse. I mean, he's a 166 rated hurdler. Nothing in here had any aspirations to get into that level as a hurdler themselves. He'll cope with quick ground because we know he's, he's done it previously at, at Punchdown in the spring. And his novice chase debut at Turles was the best jumping display I've seen by a novice for a very, very long time. He was absolutely brilliant. Whether he was in short, whether he was long, he was just metronomic. Um, you can throw holes in the form, maybe, but I think he's a, a really talented novice chaser. He's going chasing quite late in life, but it seems to be suiting him down to the ground. 
the one concern is he's entered at Leopardstown over Christmas as well and they might opt to stay there and he is favourite for that race so maybe the market is saying that he's more likely to stay in Ireland but at this stage looking at this race I'd be firmly with the classical dream. Right there's obviously a load of racing across Boxing Day 11 meetings but Tom I'm going to ask you for your nap and next best across all of them. Yeah, well, they're both coming over jumps. I did look at the flat card. I have to admit, I did, but I couldn't do it to myself and to the viewers because I've seen the comments over the last few weeks. They don't want the all-weather tips. So uh, we stick into the jumps action. Now, my best bet last Christmas, and I didn't have to go back to uh, the podcast last year. I didn't have to trawl back through all of our pods on YouTube. I remember this because I'm still hurting from it. It was a horse called Sporting Mike at Weatherby, and I was left heartbroken after he's beaten half a length by a rival called Santos Blue. Santos Blue is out again on Boxing Day this year. And I'm seeking peace as I'm napping Santos Blue in the 210 at Weatherby. Dan Skelton's six-year-old proved uh, his festive score 12 months ago to be no fluke by winning two races back-to-back after that win as well. And although he's winless in three runs since, he was beaten just three-quarters of a length by Broadway Boy on his last outing last year. Broadway Boy has won three times since and is a graded winner now. He was beaten by Crambo who I like in the long walk hurdle, um, and then ran eye-catchingly well in a good race at Haydock last time up. He's markedly down in grade in this race at Weatherby on Boxing Day. Owner Nick Sutton loves a festive winner. I think this is going to be perfect for Santos Blue in the 2.10 at Weatherby. Uh, My next best is going to come at Market Raisin, 2.55, and it's also called O'Connell. It's the Lincolnshire National, not a race I would usually bet in or even look at in, in great detail. However, uh, I, I liked how O'Connell won last time up for a trainer in Sue Smith, who is red hot right now. I think she's five from 17 in the last two weeks. Uh, just a, a real good strike rate going into the Christmas period. O'Connell is super unexposed. Um, only had five starts over fences so far. Showed signs of promise on the penultimate outing. Went second behind a horse trained by Harry Derham called Pick's Lad. I'm absolutely convinced he's going to rack up more wins. He looked super well handicapped that day. Um, O'Connell then returned to market raisin and uh, notched up a real easy success by seven lengths over the three miles. Subsequent six-pound rise is perfectly fine. And providing this step-up and trip is okay, that is the one I've known, then O'Connell looks by far the horse to beat in the 257. And while I'm here, we should talk about the Welsh National. Um, Check out my my column, by the way, on betting.getsbk.com for all festive tips, because there are more than just the two um, we've talked about there. But the Welsh National Selection will be in that column, but I'll mention it here as well. And that is Super Survivor, providing he gets into the field. He's currently number 27 uh, on the list, only 20 get in. I think he probably will uh, make the final field, but obviously just take a note of that when declarations do come out. Uh, Jamie Snowden's gelding, again, super unexposed, had just a seven starts. Looks an out-and-out stayer. Um, finished third, two outings back, over three miles. He was only just getting going at the finish. And then last time on his reappearance in November, took second by a stable companion who's been racking up a sequence of wins in Gitmaker. I think he's well treated if he gets into the race. And as I say, as this event goes further and further on, in when it comes down to the home straight, Super Survivor will be the strongest. Now, Tom Collins putting up a next best from Market Raisin is 100% the Christmas present I didn't expect, but now <laughs> I know I needed it. Yeah, it's, uh, it's something I didn't expect either, I have to admit. Um, but... You know, hopefully O'Connell can get the job done. I think I've probably had about one or two bets at market race in the last 12 months. Um, So hopefully, uh, well, I don't know what the strike rate is, but I was going to say hopefully the strike rate continues there. Well, the the very best of festive luck to you, TC, for for your Napa Next Best. And yeah, I must echo, do check out bidding.getsbk.com for for all of Tom's selections over over the festive period and into 2024 as well. Right, Ross, 
Nap and next best from you, please, sir. So the nap comes at Kempton in the 12.45, and it's the Nicky Henderson-trained Russian ruler. Um, now, he's rated 127, but I think he's got two pieces of form last year at Kempton and Newbury that suggest, this was over hurdles, that suggest he was significantly better than 127 rated. He made his chase debut at Newbury over two miles, ran quite keen in the first half mile, then maybe looked to get a little bit outpaced, or he's certainly in top gear down the back. He missed the final fence down the back just as they were picking up the pace and it put him on the back foot and he was struggling to lie up. But he flew home up the home straight. He was a little bit fiddly with his jumping, but he certainly can jump. If you watch the, the, the jump he threw in at the first up the home straight final time, it was absolutely humongous leap. He steps up in trip here. That's going to suit him because he stayed so well at Newbury. And I think it will help his jumping as well. They'd just go half a gear slower and that might give him a bit more time to get organised. There's some quite nice horses in here, but he gets an offer low weight. Um, so I think uh, Russian ruler for Nicky Henderson will win the 12.45. And then my next best. Now, this is uh, two horses because I just want to be sure that one of them is going to run because they're both double entered. So uh, at Market Raisin um, in the 115, Anna Harvey Ladd. He's got very well handicapped on to a mark of 91. He's been running in handicap hurdles over two miles. He ran in a, uh, sorry, running handicaps over two miles. Got this mark of 91. Each time doing some quite good work late on over two miles. Then stepped up to two mile four on his seasonal reappearance. Shaped really well. He was quite free early and then maybe got a bit tired for that first run and, and the fact that he was a bit exuberant early on. He jumped his hurdles really big. And uh, I think that's going to suit him now to go over fences. Steps up in trip to three miles. He's also entered in the 12.27 at Weatherby over just two mile four. And I wouldn't be quite so keen on that. Wouldn't be dead against him, but he wouldn't be sort of a next best criteria. If he doesn't take up either of those engagements or if he takes up Weatherby, the other one to look at would be Snipe, who runs at market raising in the 2.57 He's been outpaced and he was given a lot to do at Weatherby last time over three miles. I didn't think it was Harris Garton's greatest ride. He sort of gave him an awful lot to find in the closing stages, but he stayed on very, very well and was only just denied. Steps up three mile three at Market Raisin. Um, I think he's still very well weighted and I'd be really keen on him. But equally, if he goes to Aintree over three miles, I wouldn't really fancy touching him at all. And then just an extra one for you, uh, a long price in the Welsh National, which is a race I love as a... As a, as a proud Welshman, uh, I thought Pat's fancy for Rebecca Curtis could go well. Just £2 higher than his last winning mark. £6 high, lower than his career high mark. He's got really good form at Chepstow. Um, he'd be Imperial Alcazar. He was getting £10 from him, but he beat him 11 lengths. Well, Imperial Alcazar is a one five three horse. He also won another chase um, where he, he gave lumps of weight away to the runner-up on that occasion. I think he's a really smart horse. He'd been away from the track before he returned earlier this season, ran well enough for a long way and got tired, which I can happily excuse. Rebecca Curtis has not got quite the same numbers and quality she had sort of early on in her career, but she still knows how to train. And I thought he was an interesting one at a big price in the Welsh National. Great. So lots to unpack there. I'll, I'll just say that um, Russian rule is currently nine to one, that price just in. And uh, I can I can echo uh, Ross's confidence around uh, Snipe. Um, shout out to, to Foxtrot Racing there who, who are friends of the friends of the podcast? Um, I just I'm trying to come to terms with the fact that we've probably spent as much time talking about market raising here as we have uh, Kempton through Tom, Tom Collins and Ross Miller putting their 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 focus on it. But you know we're we're a big fan of racing, but wherever it is across eleven meetings on uh, on Boxing Day, 
other news just in from Jess Stafford's sickbed. She said, do not do the podcast without mentioning Third Eye Thoroughbreds. I'm going to mess this out. So, Ross, you might need to uh, sort my French pronunciation here. Judiciers, Alain, who Jess mentioned uh, on her um, on the SBK preview, uh, sorry, National Hunt preview season podcast or season preview podcast, one of the two. Now that's going to go in either the 26th or 27th December at Limerick in a maiden hurdle. Currently 16 to 1 for the Mayor's Novice at Cheltenham. Ross, any thoughts on that other than let's just hope it wins for Jess? Look, your pronunciation was perfect. And and are we to assume that actually Jess isn't sick, but she's walking around the local bookmakers with rucksacks full of cash, mopping up all the Mayor's hurdle prices uh, before uh, the Mayor runs over Christmas? Incredibly likely. I'm sure the SBK traders are, are shuffling papers and running around to try and sort the, the pricing out for that as we speak. Um, I'll throw in a Welsh national selection. Again, it's got to get in, but I too, like a Rebecca Curtis horse in Wayfinder, I just thought 50s was just too big of a price each way for, for one that normally uh, goes well over, over staying trips. A final bit of housekeeping over Christmas. Obviously, new customers can get £30 in free bets. With SBK, uh, when you when you sign up, TNCs do apply. That's eighteen over, and there are various other promotions and offers going on, on SBK. So do worth checking the promotion section in the app, including a festive racing bet bundle where you can avail yourself of all sorts of free bets for the festive periods. That's well worth checking out in the uh, in the app. I think all that's left is to, to wish everyone a very merry Christmas. Um, lots of winners, I hope, over the over the festive period. Uh, Ross, any any passing thoughts? No, just be, it's been a good year, hasn't it? So sort of looking back and uh, I enjoyed the flat season more than I ever have and, and the jump season is really kicking into gear. Um, so yeah, hopefully more of the same in 2024, please. I know TC's uh, memory recency bias applied is probably Ross and Ryan hitting 200 plus winners yesterday. But Ross, have you got any sort of lasting lasting memory you want to leave us on? Uh, I, I think that hour or so, maybe two hours uh, at the Cheltenham Festival when Honeysuckle got her win, kicking on from Constitution Hill's win in the champion hurdle. It was just one of those I wish I were there moments. I mean, it, it did transmit through the TV pretty well, um, but I thought that was a pretty special uh, moment of the season for me. Yeah, unbelievable. Uh, not a dry dry eye in the, in the, in the house when that, when that went down. Okay, all that's left is for, is for me to wish all listeners a very Merry Christmas. Remember to like and subscribe the, the podcast as, as always. And, uh, well, I guess we'll, we'll see you in 2024 if we don't before. Take care.